Hello everyone, I am Alex Majorana. And I'm Sydney Lynch. And this is Little Known Tracks. Today we talk to alternative artist and entrepreneur extraordinaire, Matt Rosa. While he has experience speaking in front of large crowds, it doesn't change the butterflies that he gets anytime he gets on a stage. After a long break, the pandemic gave him the time and ability to get back into his original passion, music. Working with some of his favorite artists, he recorded and released his debut album, Times Have Changed and So Have I, a diary touching on different stages of his life. With no plans to slow down, he plans on releasing a new EP in the upcoming year. Without further ado, Half Asleep by Matt Rosa. Matt Rosa, thank you so much for being on with us today. Pleasure is mine. Thank you for uh, inviting me and having me on. The first question that we wanted to ask you about was you told us that you were interested in public speaking. So tell us a little bit about how you got interested in that and maybe some of the things that you kind of talk about. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, <clears throat> so I actually run an educational platform where we teach people to trade cryptocurrencies and inside of the foreign exchange uh, markets. And, um, you know, kind of jumped into that just to learn the skill set, um, fell in love with the platform itself and um, started to document my journey. A lot of people started to contact me asking me questions. And next thing I know, I'm in front of uh, living rooms, then um, I'm being asked to fly out to different cities, then different states, and then different countries. And I've been to about like 40 different countries in order to uh, publicly speak and uh, just spread the message on what it is that we're doing. Wow. So you, so you kind of accidentally got yourself into this position where you're like flying all over 40 countries and just teaching people about something that you were just kind of like, eh, you might as well, I might as well learn something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was something that I, I definitely, I definitely wanted to become proficient when it came to trading. Um, I had no intention of really telling many people about it. Um, but good news travels fast. So what was it like, you know, going from, you said living rooms to those huge, what looks like arenas that you're speaking to people about this skill set? What was that kind of jump like? Um, so I've, I've always been in the, in the sales arena, um, network marketing. So I always saw myself in front of massive crowds and being able to influence. And, um, even when I was a kid, before I got into business playing in punk bands, um, I, I just always pictured it. So when it became a reality, it was kind of like I attracted it into my life. And is it, do you ever get nervous doing it, even though you're a professional and you do it all the time? Is it yeah. ever something? Do you? No, it doesn't matter the size <laughs> of the, the room. I'm instantly nervous. Um, I, I think that if you step up to do something and you don't have butterflies, I don't think you're in love with it anymore. That's interesting. That's, that's really interesting. Um, so in, in that, in that kind of realm, uh, when you're doing these and you get these butterflies, how do you personally, like, what are some things that you maybe do to kind of overcome your nerves and just really knock it out of the park? Uh, big on prayer, big on prayer and, uh, breath work. So immediately just dive into, uh, speaking to my creator and then do some box breathing, or if I'm trying to hype myself up, some awoken breathing, um shout out to lucas mack um who taught me that but yeah breath work and prayer usually sets the tone the right way so outside of the kind of uh trade and uh network marketing stuff is there anything else that you're and and the music because we'll, we'll, we'll get to that bit but is there anything else that you're particularly interested in or any like skill sets that you have looked at and gone you know this is something that i am interested in uh again, becoming proficient in sort of. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Right now, the metaverse has me really locked in. I'm like, man, this is interesting. Just seeing where the world's going right now um, and knowing that we're still at the first phase of it, it's going to get pretty trippy, like Star Wars hologram inside of your living room type vibe. So I uh, definitely want to become more proficient in that field. Yeah, and that's something that's changing by the day. So yeah. you're jumping right in on the ground floor with that one. But so speaking of kind of starting at the beginning, tell us where you, when and where you got your start with music. You said you were in punk bands when you were younger. Is that kind of your first, tell us how you got interested in music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, um, so growing up, my mom was always just playing different types of music from salsa to R&B to 
Um, I mean, everyone, alternative rock, hip hop. Um, so fell in love with music very, very early. Um, I would say at about like 12 years old, um, wanted a guitar. My mom was like, no, I'm not getting a guitar. You're not going to actually take it serious. Um, so I went ahead, I saved up and I got myself a guitar around 12, 13 years old. Um, and quickly fell in love with, uh, the pop punk scene. Um, and, you know, originally it started off with obviously the, the greats blink and some 41. And then as the years went on, I started to get into more of the pop scene with, uh, more like, you know, pop indie rock, Jack's Manic and something corporate style. And then from there I found uh, Take This to Your Grave by Fall Out Boy. And that completely changed the realm for me. And it threw me in a whirlwind of just emotions and being vulnerable through your music in a different aspect. Um, and then from there, I would say probably at around like 2000 and probably 2009, um formed up 2008 2009 formed up my first band and that was like during the era where like you know fireworks uh was playing some epic music and um the wonder years which oddly enough is so dope because grew up listening to the wonder years and uh michael kennedy their drummer from the wonder years is the ones that uh he plays drums on the tracks on the uh, record that we just released uh so nice full circle moment there but you know during that era 2009 2010 2011 even um was just playing in bands and seeing whatever i could do in order to get that dream and get signed and were you writing music at this time as well yeah yeah definitely from the moment i picked up a guitar i tried to to start writing music okay do you remember what your first song might have sounded like yeah definitely it was called just breathe and it was not very good looking <laughs> So since then, you have gone on to do a lot of uh, not particularly musical things, and you have come back into it. So why did you decide, um, like, why now? Why did you decide to get back into music now? I think more so because I could and not because I had to. Um, I think that for so long I was chasing the band life dream. Um, and trying to find a way in order to make money off of it. Um, and when I fell into entrepreneurship, all my focus went into that and my family. Um, and when COVID-19 really hit uh, 2009, in 2019, March, I was, before that, just nonstop, 60% of my year, I was on the road, city to city, different room, different room, speaking in front of different crowds. And then uh, it was just such a fast-paced life, and then COVID happens, and I'm locked down in Miami for three months inside of my house. I'm facing certain demons that I haven't faced before or acknowledged. I am uh, with a lot more time on my hands, and, you know, for some reason, I had writer's block for, like, three years, couldn't write a song that I was in love with out of nowhere in a month, right four. And I was just like, man, maybe I should jump into the studio um, contacted, uh, uh, Ace Enders of the early November, reached out to him and, uh, booked some studio time. And it was supposed to be just to get it off my chest. And probably about like three months into working with Ace, he was like, I, I think we got to release a record, man. So what did that process look like going from those four songs that you wrote to the 10 that are on the album? Um, a lot of me, because we, again, we started writing this during during uh, the pandemic. 
Um, so a lot of me going into the studio with just me, uh, Ace, and like two other people, um, just sitting inside of that studio maybe a week out of the month, and then coming back down to Miami, kind of arranging my thoughts, wrapping my head around what it was that we had just did, going back in. Um, and then from there, as things started to loosen up, we were able to get more artists into the studio with us. Uh, we were able to get uh, Bruce Wigner in there, um, who helped with songwriting on three different tracks on the album. Uh, Bruce recently just wrote uh, the Pokemon song for Katy Perry, which was pretty sick. Um, we were able to get uh, an absolute gem of a human being, Cruda, who plays uh, strings for the Eagles. She brought in some of her girls and we laid down strings there. Um, and next thing I know, I'm just in a room with people that make me feel completely inadequate inside of the music space. You know, riding with Ace Enders, who I grew up listening to, uh, Michael Kennedy from The Wonder Years Again. And um, little by little, I mean, things just started to come together. And I think it took about a year to write and record the entire thing. So you had this this big group of people um, like amazing people working on this with you. And I think it's still like, it is your, it is your music. So like, tell us a little bit about, uh, maybe like some of the themes and the writing that you put into it that makes it, uh, like your music. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it was, it's crazy because like each song is like a different phase of my life. And there was such a lapse of releasing music for so long that there was so much suppressed inside of me that I wasn't recognizing. And I was writing songs about me when I was like, like from, from the perspective of me being 15, you know, 18, 22, I'm now 29 years old. And, you know, it was just more so like different phases of my life during that point. So each song just signifies something different. Like, you know, the song family is about, um, me becoming successful and losing touch with some of the people that I absolutely love, not on purpose, but uh, just subconsciously. Um, and that's obviously written in the now, but then you have things along the lines of, um, let me think, uh, Sam, I am experiencing a really uh, toxic relationship with uh, some buddies. I was, I was sleeping on a buddy of mine's couch and just the relationship he had with his girl must've been like 17 years old. You know, times have changed is about me getting through all the bullshit and writing it from perspective as of right now, like, yo, we made it through. So, you know, I, I think it's just more so a diary um, and going back and visiting certain times in my life that I may have suppressed at one point or another. When you began this writing process, was that always the goal for this album that you were writing kind of in those different perspectives? Or when you started writing, was it just coming out as um, kind of that cathartic way to process everything? Yeah. So I don't I don't think I realized it until the album was done, honestly. Um, just listening back on the album when I got the masters. And I was like, man, that's that's definitely not me now. Like I'm talking about like some pretty dark shit. And then there's other times where I'm like, well, damn that that is me right now and that's the perspective that I'm in or it's a third third party perspective of what I'm going through whatever the case may be so uh definitely not the intention but pretty glad it came out that way so again you talked about working with all of these other people who again you kind of looked up to uh growing up what was it sort of like getting to work with them um, in just a general uh, workflow sense, and then also in a maybe like learning sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'll approach the latter part of the question. Um, on the learning sense, I mean, I, I felt like I was standing amongst the shoulders of giants 
Um, and I feel that these guys do not get nearly enough credit for what it is that they do and the talent that they have. Like, yeah, Wonder Years is fucking huge. It's a big man. But if you had the opportunity to just see Mike in his element in a creative space, like it should be way more magnified. And like Ace Enders is one of the greatest producers to walk this face of the earth. Guarantee it. This guy is a fucking genius. Um, and just being able to be amongst people, like like being in the room with Crudish, she was like, yeah, last week, uh, this was a picture of us sold out stadium, the Eagles. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck, man? Like I'm sitting inside of this room with all these people. And it was just like, all I could do was show an immense amount of gratitude to be in an environment like that where, it was a safe space for me to be able to learn and be able to grow. And I'm just so grateful for that. Um, and then to be honest, like, yo, me and Ace kicked it right away. Like I walked into his, his studio and he has charts up and I'm like, wait, what you trade? Yeah, actually. So immediately, like we, we hit it off that way. Um, and he's quickly become one of my closest friends. Like that's my big brother. Um, him and I are involved in different businesses now together. And, you know, we've like, I've met his family, he's met mine. And it's just such an incredible, incredible dynamic because we're complete polar opposites. Um, but it's an incredible dynamic and, you know, just everybody inside of the studio that played a role, like it was such a vibe, man. Like, it, it didn't feel like I was with people that I grew up admiring. It felt more so that there was so much that we could learn from both parties. So what are some of the takeaways that you uh, may use moving forward when you're writing music from those sessions with all of those amazing artists? So, so Ace um, has a, a, a thing for making up rules and he numbers them. And they, I mean, they're never in a specific order they're usually super fucking random, like uh, rule number 13, got to sound like Chad Kroger, right? Like random fucking rules that he just throws out in the studio. Um, but rule number one was always, it's got to be cool, right? It's got to be cool. If it's not cool, we can't do it. So, um, you know, if I'm using too much vibrato, uh, I, I, I take a step back and I'm like, is it cool? You know, if I'm trying to falsetto, is it cool? Is this chorus cool? Um, so I think that that's one of the things, um, simplifying a lot of the music. I thought that, you know, writing a song, I, I've listened to, I mean, some of the bands that I absolutely love are insanely complex. It, at least it sounds like so many layers on layers on layers. And I always wrote with the intention of doing something like that. Um, and what Ace and everyone involved taught me was just strip it all the way down, bring it down to the bare, bare, bare basics. And then we build upon that, just make sure that the foundation is there. So, uh, you've worked with these people. I think it's clear that collaboration is something that you are interested in and won't yeah. be foregoing. Uh, who are maybe some <laughs> other artists, uh, that you would be like interested in or like really excited to work with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as of late, um, three people immediately come to mind. Um, one would be a gentleman by the name of Emmett Fenn. Um, Emmett Fenn is an absolute beast of a producer and artist. And, um, you know, I, I looked at him on IG, his following wasn't crazy, crazy huge. So I was like, man, maybe, you know, we can, we can get to work. Um, and then I researched him and he, if I'm not mistaken, he wrote for, uh, Billie Eilish. And I was like, Whoa, this is huge. So now he's releasing his music, uh, gentleman by the name of Dermot Kennedy, uh, singer songwriter from Ireland. The guy has some pipes on him. Uh, really had a, a heavy influence on the songwriting style inside of uh, Times Have Changed. 
Um, man, I, I don't even want to call it a guilty pleasure, but MGK's last is ridiculous. Uh, I I know he's gotten a lot of hate. I think it is absolutely fucking brilliant. I love what him and Travis are doing, so it'd be crazy to do that. Um, and uh, there's this new dude that I, I just just found out about him like a week ago. I can't stop listening to him. Um, his name is Jack Hayes. He was actually found by Travis Scott. I mean, not Travis Scott, Travis Barker, excuse me. Um, and this dude is, I guarantee, given 24 months, he's going to be one of the biggest names. Dude just started releasing music 2021. Um, and he is absolutely slaying. His music's phenomenal. So definitely check it out. So your debut album um, came out in October, uh, Times Have Changed and So Have I. And we, you talked on it recently how the, some of the tracks are a little bit more vulnerable and you really put your heart into writing this album. What was it like sharing that um, for the first time and having people listen to it for the first time? I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> I was, I was so uneasy. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people look at me and um, when they find out I make music, I'm always rocking like ice on my neck, goatee, neck tats, face tat, and like, people look at me and they're like, yeah, he does hip hop or he does reggaeton because he's Latin. Um, there's not a lot of Latin dudes making vulnerable uh, pop punk emo pop songs out there. Um, so I knew for a fact that it was going to be a, a definite massive uh, shock to people. And I didn't want to have a brand identity crisis. Um, but I was a nervous wreck. I was, I was, Nervous because that was the first time that I was expressing myself on a lot of the things people hadn't known. Um, I was nervous because it was the first time I was releasing music in years. Um, I was nervous because I knew that it was going to lead to a show and I hadn't been on stage in 10 years to play music. Um, so I was just a nervous wreck. But at the same exact time, I felt like, you know, I, I had just won back the love of my life. And that was one of the most fulfilling feelings in the world. And you did uh play a show did you not yeah yeah the record release show tell us a little bit about that how did it feel finally getting to like play that live having a, a crowd of people there for your music dude i felt like i was gonna throw up like <laughs> i i woke up that morning with crazy amounts of anxiety um it was hard for me to just fathom what was about to go on. I was worried about every little fucking detail. Then my, as we're setting up, we're about to sound check. Bass amp goes out. So we had to plug right into a monitor. Um, we were missing a piece in order to connect the MIDI. So I had to have a friend of mine run and pick something up. It was just like so many little things going on. And I was like, yo, what the heck is going on? And then it, it turns for some reason, I, I don't know what it was. I was expecting like a line out the fucking door, but it turns like 7 p.m doors open and there's like five people there and i was like oh fuck man like is no one gonna show up to this thing um but it, it packed out it packed out it was full of people that i mean we had people traveling from argentina we had people traveling from all over the united states new york arizona dallas houston uh california literally all over the place and crazy thing was like as i began to sing the songs like I did not expect for them to know that many lyrics, especially because the album had just dropped. Um, and that was a massive, massive surprise. And 
you know, shout out to everyone that came out to that event. They were freaking phenomenal. Just people that I loved. It was a lot of love inside of the room. It was on a rooftop in Miami, which was pretty cool as well. And my band kicked absolute ass. I had my breath coach, Lucas Mack, out there. He works with uh, Jake Paul, Logan Paul. He works with Travis Barker. Um, really, really, really talented guy. Just helped me with visualization, manifestation before getting on. And then afterwards, we partied our asses off. So it was, <laughs> I mean, more than I could have bargained for. Oh my God, that's and, awesome. And early November opened, which blew my fucking mind. It's like, <laughs> <just> like, yo. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, so who are some, I know you talked a little bit about your um, writing music, you know, when you started at the age of 12. How has your kind of writing process and what you write about transformed to this new album? Um, I think just more experience of life, to be honest. Um, just having the opportunity to grow wiser, um, not just in the capabilities I have with my instrument, uh, but the way it is that I'm able to express myself with my vocabulary, the way it is that I'm able to utilize my voice um, and just my level of awareness and consciousness as well has just played a massive, massive role in the growth of the music. Um before I, I used to listen to bands and want to emulate a certain sound or emulate, and it wasn't just inspiration. Like when you're in those early stages of creation, you naturally just want to emulate maybe the way someone sings or the type of uh, uh, aggressive lyrics that they have or you know cadences inside of their music. Um, and now it's more so like, yo, if I hear a sound on a song, I'm like, yo, how can how can we get that sound? I really like the way the drums sound in this song. And I, I still take inspiration, obviously, from all these different artists, but now it's not as much as trying to emulate a certain sound or or a certain artist, but more so trying to find out where it is that you fit in. Um, that's why I think that like there's like three or four genres on that album. And I, I just didn't know where I was at on first record we were like yo let's just throw shit against the wall see what sticks yeah and i mean i think it all stuck pretty well <laughs> <laughs> i think you got a, a a really good record there and i think um uh we're interested to know what's next i know you just had this one done uh do you plan on continuing to write music do you want to like give yourself a little bit of a break before you write anything else um or do you have anything like planned actively yeah, hell yeah, bro. We're, we're not slowing down anytime soon. Um, we have plans uh, to release two EPs um, in 2022. Uh, the music is a lot happier um, than the sad, I mean, sad boy lyrics, sad boy uh, tonality in some of the songs, but uh, we're already writing. I have uh, probably about four to five in the chamber so far. Um, and we're gonna spend, Ace and I are gonna spend some time in the middle of Sedona um, and just kind of seclude ourselves and find a place of just pure peace and stillness and uh, bang this album out or this, this first EP rather. So have you started any of the writing for it or is it just kind of like you have those four that are like, all right, we're, we're thinking about them or are those like four or five like written, you have like a good idea what they're going to sound like. Like what is the, where are you at? Where are you at in the process of making these uh, two EPs? 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, so we have one song. Uh, we did the pre-production on it already. Um, so myself, Ace, and uh, one of my boys, Octavius, on the keys, um, we jumped in there and we banged it out. Um, very good vibe, very dancey. Um, and then the other three to four, uh, it's just me and the acoustic right now. I'm sending uh, things over to Ace and we're just kind of talking about it. We work best uh, when we're just sitting down in the same exact room. So pretty busy first quarter, but I'm definitely going to make sure that I head out there and uh, get that appropriate studio time in. And do you have any shows coming up or planned for next year with um, the release of the new album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as of right now, you know, we we did this Miami show where, where I headlined my first record release, my first show ever. Um, and I think we're going to kind of keep it the same thing where we create just a, a pop-up vibe, right? Um, we'll do it in Dallas, uh, 2022, California, 2022, and New York City, 2022. Sounds like yeah. 2022 is going to be a big year. 2022 is going to be an exciting <laughs> year. I receive it. I receive it. I hope so. Um, well, Sydney, do you have any other questions for Matt Rosa? So Matt, where can we find and follow you online and listen and stream all of your music? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's available on Tidal. It's available on Apple Music, um, Spotify. We have some music videos up on YouTube. Um, some live footage from the show coming out within like the next week or so on YouTube as well. Um, and then just to keep in contact with me uh, on Instagram, it's ITS. Matt, M-A-T-T, Rosa, R-O-S-A. All righty. Um, once again, uh, Matt Rosa, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you tonight. No, nah, the pleasure really was mine. You guys have some incredible questions, and I'm stoked to see the progression of what it is that you guys are doing here as well. Thank you so much for listening to Little Known Tracks. If you or a loved one want to be featured on an episode of Little Known Tracks, you can send us an email at littleknowntrackspodcast at gmail.com. Also, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LKTPod for all of our updates and occasionally giveaways and such. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time. Mm